Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. Like I said before, the characteristics of God don't come naturally to us any more than it... Well, I mean, think about it. For those of you who are married, who've been married, and who want to stay married, you know, that type of thing. It's the Spirit of God within us that makes us loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and even allows us to exhibit self-control. Because all those things don't come naturally to us, do they? And if they do come naturally to you, let me hang out with you so that you can rub off on me. Because they don't, you'd think by now, I'd have a lot of this figured out. But I'm still me. And I still need to die to self. And the world is still the world. And that's why what the world needs now is the Spirit of God that reflects itself in gentleness. Because not only doesn't it come naturally to us, it's honestly a trait that we're really not that interested in acquiring. It's usually because we perceive gentleness to be the same as weakness. But gentleness is not the same as weakness. We look at it as being soft in who we are. And it seems like the people in the world that get ahead are not the people who are gentle. They're not the people who, who treat each other with, by, by putting on the brakes every now and then and, and handling them easy. No. The, those people are looked at as doormats that let people walk all over them. Those people are looked at as perpetual victims who either won't or can't stand up for themselves. And that's why we've learned that you just have to be as tough as everybody else if you're going to survive. You have to be as hard as everybody else if you're going to make it in this world. Well, how's that working out for us? God doesn't see it that way. God calls us to follow him down a different path than the path that we've lived before. Peter would describe it this way. You've already lived long enough like people who don't know God. It kind of reminds me of what I used to hear dad say when I'm crying, and he was all bent out of shape about me crying, you know, and he'd look at me and say, that's enough, dry it up, which, of course, instantly worked, right? You know, and then you start trying to stop crying, and you just, you know, snorting, and you pull your nose inside, you know, a little bit because you don't want to disappoint dad, and you're afraid of what will happen if you don't stop instantly he said, That's, it's enough. Well, Peter says, by inspiration, that God's opinion is, you've done what you've done. You've lived like you've lived long enough. You were immoral. You followed your own evil desires. You went around drinking and partying and carrying on. In fact, you even worshipped disgusting idols. Basically, you worshipped anything but me. And now your former friends wonder why you've stopped running around with them and they curse you for it. 
And there's the temptation to go back to who we've always been and do what we've always done. But he says in verse 5, they'll have to answer to God who judges the living and the dead. You see, at the end of the day, we have to decide if we're going to be who God calls us to be or if we're going to keep on being who we've always been. And that choice, that decision, that conviction and commitment requires incredible inner strength. Change, transformation is never easy. Oh, sure. Uh, maybe I should back up a little bit. Change is always easy. We can change our mind instantaneously, but actually following through on that and changing who we are or transforming our lives to be different, that's, that's tough. So, are we going to be who God calls us to be? Or are we going to keep on doing what we've always done because it's easy? The author a few years ago, Leo Biscaglia, made this observation. He says, only the weak are cruel. Gentleness can only be expected from the strong. True gentleness requires incredible inner strength. True gentleness requires a tight grip on the reins. True gentleness requires an exertion of self-control that comes from an inner determination. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do different. I'm not just going to have a knee-jerk reaction to everything that happens around me. When you're walking up behind a cow to put the milkers on, is not the time for loud noises. Trust me. It's also not the time to play with the dog and make the dog start barking when mom or dad are walking up behind the cow to put the milkers on. You have to be gentle around animals. You may have heard a guy referred to a few years ago named Monty Roberts. If you don't recognize his name, you probably would recognize his title. He was recognized as the horse whisperer. And his observation about how to and this is the phrase that's used, to gentle a horse, is this, the greatest strength that a man can achieve is gentleness. Somebody who lacks gentleness tends to be driven by pride and retaliation for the insult that you're not doing life and you're not doing things the way that I think you should. Imagine how that would go over if you're trying to break a horse to ride. Just getting more rough with it is not going to help. Imagine if you're... Boy, this is probably too soon for that parallel, but I'm in it already. So imagine, imagine a husband and wife trying to... Can we say it this way, break each other in to, to get used to being one and becoming married, united in heart, soul, and life? Would it not be the same thing? It requires incredible gentleness even when you feel least inclined to be gentle. I ain't there yet. No, you're not allowed to interview Claudia. Just trust me, I'm not there yet. 
when somebody's driven by pride and frustration and the anger of not getting their way when they want it, the usual knee-jerk reaction is to take some kind of revenge and retaliation, which, like gravity, ends up ends up bringing everything and everyone down. You see, just like water flows downstream, anger flows downstream from pride. But gentleness is drawn up from the well of humility. I wish that was original. I just thought it was really good and wanted to share that with you. We tend to think of gentleness as somebody's personality trait. But it's really not a description of somebody's personality nearly as much as a, dis- as a description of their actions. Can we go back to that toddler with the newborn? Be gentle. We could care less what he feels. We just want him to take it easy on the newborn. Right? Humility is a byproduct of being in the presence of God. Gentleness flows downstream from God's presence within us. Anger says, I'm going to make you pay. But gentleness takes a breath, slows down, before saying something that everybody's going to regret. James would describe it this way, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Anger finds peace by taking matters into my own hands and forcing it through. But gentleness finds peace by putting things into the hands of God. Your your actions then become guided by the compassionate love of God instead of the passion of the moment. Again, it's just on my mind because I'm going to do a wedding here in just a little bit. Isn't that really what you would want to say to a bride and groom? And and that really what all of us need to hear? That instead of being guided in our relationship by our reaction to whatever just happened, we should be guided by the compassionate love of God that He's shown us. You see, gentleness isn't that personality trait nearly as much as it's the characteristic of people that are guided by the presence of God in their life. Again, going back to James, in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, the wisdom from above versus what comes naturally within us versus what we naturally feel and how we naturally want to react and what we naturally want to say. The wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable and gentle. It's reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Paul would describe it this way in Colossians 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on. See how it's a deliberate choice and an action that we can choose? Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Paul would write to a mentor of his, well, actually, it's the other way around, a mentee, you know, named Timothy. 
Timothy was trying to learn from Paul how to be a servant of God. And so Paul writes to him and gives him this advice in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Now I know you're sitting there, you're looking at that and you're thinking, I thought we're talking about gentleness. What's gentleness got to do with money? Stay out of my wallet. Read the rest of the verse. The love of money is root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. Flee from these things, you man of God. Instead, pursue, there's that deliberate choice, righteousness and godliness. Faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Huh. So even though we're naturally driven by greed and constantly wanting and accumulating more to validate who we are and feel good about our self-esteem so we don't have to come in the back door, um, he says we need to avoid greed because greed is being focused on what I want. And that's going to take us in the exact opposite direction of gentleness because gentleness is focused, focused instead on what others need. Hmm. You see, when you look at Scripture, it's hard to miss the connection, not just between gentleness and greed, but also gentleness and humility. Jesus himself laid that foundation when he said this in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Why? Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. I can guarantee you the times that I have had the least amount of soul rest have been the times that my pride has been hurt. And I reacted to that hurt with anything but gentleness. Instead, we tend to live responsively by, you hurt me, I'll hurt you. Or as one of our former presidents said, you bring a knife, we'll bring a gun. Yay. Paul would later say in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1, it's by the humility and gentleness of Christ that I appeal to you. You see, even Paul understood that it doesn't come naturally to us, but it has to be a response of how we spend time with God. Or in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I don't know, you think that might be helpful for a couple this afternoon that's about to be married? It's not just be patient. It's not just putting up with somebody. It certainly isn't just about love, but all of those are reflected when we're driven by humility and a decision to be gentle in how we treat each other. Do you want to grow in godliness? Do you want to get to a point where you're more spiritually mature than you are now? Commit yourself to humility and gentleness will follow. So when Christians crucify their own arrogance and die to self, the gentleness of Christ is able 
to take its place, just as, you know, using Tim's illustration of the full moon, when the earth moves more out of the way, more of the light is able to be reflected by the moon. So the more we move out of the way ourselves and our own pride and arrogance, our own frustration because life didn't go on the way I want it to and you're not giving me what I want you to give me when I want it and the way you, that I want it. Hmm. You see, the world thinks that gentle people just never speak up for themselves. Uh, no, that's, that's, not, that's not accurate. Gentle people can be very direct. You can be gentle and call out somebody else's crap. Probably shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> but that's the way we talk, right? Gentle people can call each other out. And do so gently, right? I'm not talking about passive aggressive. I'm talking about talking about the way that Proverbs describes it in chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle response diffuses anger, but harsh words make temple, tempers flare. Again, gentleness may not come very naturally to us, but it's one of the primary virtues of Christ within us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, instead of demanding our rights and asserting our authority, Paul mentored them like a mother who tenderly nurses her own infant. Again, the idea, be gentle. Be gentle. I have no personal experience in this. I only have personal observations. When a new mother is trying to nurse her baby, things have to be quiet. The mother has to take a breath and relax. It's not going to go well if you're in the midst of an argument with somebody while you're trying to nourish that infant. And Paul says, instead of demanding your rights, and excuse me, instead of demanding my rights, I was gentle with you like a nursing mother. Instead of asserting my authority over you, I was gentle like a nursing mother. Later on, he would encourage the Christians in Philippi in chapter 4, verse 5, with these words, let your gentleness be evident to all. But I know, I've just spent these last few minutes telling you that gentleness is not me. So how can I let my gentleness be evident to all? Well, that's just it. You can't. But you can let the gentleness of God be evident to all. And that's a choice that we can make. Now, I'm not telling you to pretend to be somebody you're not. 
If anything, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 reassures us that for all of us who are in Christ, the old is past and all things are made new. For those of us who've been baptized into Christ, we can be made new. No, it may not have been who we were, but it can be who we are and who we're becoming. Because before that, we were not united with Christ. We were not interested in God. We were in rebellion, at least apathetic for everything he represented. But now, now we're trying to, well, we're trying to learn more about him and love more like him that we can actually look more like him in how we live our life. So, that brings us to this point. The more you realize how God sees you, the more willing you are to let him recreate you in his image. Now, you don't need to be afraid of what surrendering to the will of God might mean or what following the lead of his spirit might mean. I mean, it's already been fairly plain with that, right? When you surrender to God's will, when you follow the lead of his spirit, this is what your life starts to look like. In in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's where God's leading us. It doesn't happen through our own willpower. It doesn't happen because we finally wake up one day when we're tired of fighting with our wife and decide I want a better life. It happens because we wake up and realize this is what God looks like. And it ought to be what God looks like in my life as a husband. And yes, in your life as a wife, in our lives, as Christians. You see, this stuff goes way beyond just putting on a suit and tie, doesn't it? Because there have been a whole lot of people for a whole lot of years that have gotten up on Sunday morning, put on their suit and tie, and gone to church and been anything but loving, joyful, peacemakers, or patient. And that's a shame. It's sad. Because they thought what they wore was good enough. Instead of realizing it's who God within them is that he's interested in. When we realize how God has treated us, We get convicted about treating others the same way. When we realize how God has loved us, we get convicted about trying to love others. And when we realize how much God has brought joy into our life, we get convicted also about trying to bring joy into the life of others. And the same thing is true of patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You will only desire to become gentle You'll only desire to treat people more easily when you've experienced the gentleness of God in your own life. How gentle is God with us? Have you taken a look at how Jesus interacted with people lately? 
When no one else would give people the time of day, Jesus patiently loved them and patiently showed them kindness and goodness and was gentle with them. Yes, and that meant he called out the Pharisees when they needed to be called a brood of snakes. But he still was gentleness. Zacchaeus is a prime example of the gentleness of Jesus. He's a tax collector that was stereotyped as a traitor, and everybody shunned him in light of that. Nobody would budge so that he could see Jesus and have time with him. You know the story. He climbed a tree. Jesus walks up to the tree that he'd climbed and said, you need to come down. Let's get out of here, my paraphrase, let's get out of here and go to your place for lunch where we can talk privately. This is crazy. That's treating somebody gently that life had pretty much roughed up. Of course, people didn't understand that gentleness was someone that they thought deserved judgment instead. That's why it says that all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Translation, he doesn't doesn't deserve gentleness, he deserves judgment. How gentle is God with us? It didn't matter then and it doesn't matter now who you've been, what you've done, or what others say about you. You matter to God. We all have a past that we need to be saved from. It would be described in Romans chapter 3 this way, everyone has sinned. Well, there you have it. And yes, I frequently will remind the bride and groom on their wedding day, you've chosen poorly. You've chosen to marry a sinner. I know that's pretty much all you had to choose from. (laughs) But you've chosen someone who's not perfect. They may be perfect for you, but they're not perfect. Hmm. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But God in His grace treats us much better than we deserve. Isn't that what you hope for in a marriage? To be treated better than you deserve? Uh, Yeah, that's kind of what they need from you too. Hmm. He freed us from the penalty for our sins. God has sent Christ to die in our place and take away our sin. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus. See, we could do none of that on our own. We couldn't undo what we've done any more than we can unsay what we said. We can't, we can't dry up their tears We can't remove the reason for the tears. All we can do is make the decision to trust that forgiveness will be given. And it's out of gratitude for that kind of grace then that we commit ourselves to living a new life for them. It's out of gratitude for God's grace that we commit ourselves to living a new life for Him. And the same thing is true in our marriages. It's out of gratitude for the grace that they show us that we decide to live our life differently for them. 
And when that happens, and they decide in response to the grace that we show them in their imperfections, that they live their life out of gratitude for us. After all, who would continue in a lifestyle of apathy and rebellion when you've been shown that kind of grace? What happens when we open our hearts and open our minds to the guidance and the power that he provides? Well, when we drop our defensive walls because we're afraid of being hurt, that's when we're able to connect with each other. And again, I don't care whether you're talking about connecting with God or connecting with each other in your marriage. When that happens and, and we make that connection, it's just like what happens with a magnet that, that connects in your toolbox to a screw for very long. That screw becomes magnetized. It takes on the characteristics of the magnet. And when we are connected to Christ, we acquire his magnetism. That's why he would say, whenever I'm lifted up, all men will be drawn to me. It's the magnetism of Christ that draws people when they see him lifted up in our life. That's why what the world needs now is gentleness. It needs us to make it a better world. What can we do? We can reintroduce the presence of God in us. Because gentleness is the foundation for every productive conversation. I have never in, in all of our years of marriage, I have never won an argument by being loud and rude. Have you? You may have won the argument, but you did. You lost the war, let me tell you. So, when we are gentle, we're able to have a conversation. Our world, by contrast, is growing more divided and more loud and more angry by the division caused by spiritual forces of darkness that would drive a wedge between us, forcing us further apart and more angry with each other. And typically, when there are differences and divisions, assumptions and accusations get louder and angrier. So as desperate as it may look, this isn't the first time that this has happened. In the first century, Paul wrote to Timothy, describing to him what it would take to make a difference in his world and in his ministry. In 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, he tells Timothy this, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Why? Because that gives you credibility, and with credibility, you're able to teach. It doesn't talk about your teaching ability. It talks about your credibility that allows people to be willing to listen to what you're going to say. Well, how do you get that kind of credibility? You get it when you're patient with the difficult people. Not the easy people. You're patient 
with the people who test your patience. Instruct those who oppose the truth with gentleness. Perhaps God will change their heart and they'll learn the truth. <laughs> Instruct those who disagree or oppose the truth with gentleness. It does not say, yell them into submission and silence. It also doesn't say anything about sarcasm or being snarky or name calling or calling them out behind their back in the safety of your screen and keyboard. He also encourages them not to just ignore and hide from the opposition, but to actually engage with them, and that takes courage. That's gentleness. Ironically, it's not uncommon for people to read this passage this way. A servant of the Lord must be quarrelsome and unkind to everyone. And, uh, you know, we kind of laugh at that and snicker, but there's a lot of people that don't come to church because that's the very type impression they have of church people. They have been quarrelsome and unkind instead of kind and gentle. Monopolize every conversation and refuse to listen to them. Instead, be impatient with the difficult people. Harshly lecture everyone who disagrees with you because it's up to you to win that argument. Yeah. That's more consistent with the approach that the disciples wanted to take when people rejected Jesus. In Luke 9, the James and John saw that people refused to welcome Jesus because he was headed to Jerusalem. And you know what their solution was? Lord, do you want us at this time to call down fire from heaven to destroy these people? Yeah, clearly, they hadn't quite figured out that it takes more than a suit and tie to represent Jesus. Clearly, they hadn't been catching what Jesus had been throwing their way. But that's not uncommon either, is it? Some of us have been in church for years and we're still ready for Jesus to just say the word and we'll light him up. God calls us to reflect his own gentleness, especially to people that we disagree with and think don't deserve it. A gentle response diffuses anger. Ang anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. Let me, let me push you a bit, okay? And I'll let up. We'll be done. I've got some place to be. And so do you. Before you hit send, maybe reread that. Tone down the hate. In social media, because gentleness is what the world needs now. The world needs us to be the salt of the earth, not to be salty. We're to be a reflection of God, just like Jesus was, because a false misrepresent misrepresentation of him is an obstacle, not an attraction to God. Stop trying to win arguments and start trying to build relationships. That's what Jesus did. And that's what the world needs now, more than ever. Gentleness. David, I want you in the praise team. Join me on stage.
I'm telling you, I, I can't wait for this series to be done because I'm tired of God beating me up and working me over, you know, because it's always this week and it's topic that you have those phone calls that put you on hold and run you through the automated queue and you just want to talk to somebody. Please, can we get customer service back? Unfortunately, there's nothing in Scripture that says what the world needs now is customer service. But if we're gentle, isn't that the same as customer service? When we portray gentleness to the world, we show that we have learned from Jesus. And because of that, we have done more than put on a suit and tie. We have done more than go to church on Sunday. We have learned to start actually loving like Jesus. And that makes us look more like him. It's not just a slogan for banners and bulletins and letterheads. It's what all of those who repent of their past and are united with Christ in the waters of baptism are called to do. Just like, forgive me for embarrassing you a bit, just like Phil Denier did this last Thursday. Would you mind just briefly stand up where you are so people could face with your name? Phil, 77 years old, and this last Thursday was baptized into Christ. Great. <laughs> and we're grateful for your son-in-law, Greg, that brought him to that is how the Spirit of God Himself working within us first changes us and then changes the world around us. What the world needs now more than ever is to be drawn near to God, and that happens when we draw near to Him. That happens when we lift up Jesus and lift up our lives to Him to let Him mold us, remake us, recreate us in His image with His gentleness. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.